tonight, we are in a series called House of Prayer, and uh, I want you to know this, not only are we preaching this, but we're practically applying this, is we are uh, leaning in at a higher level than we ever have before in prayer, and uh, one of the ways that we're doing that is we have seen, and just in pastoring, counseling, we have seen an increased attack over the last couple years specifically against marriages, that people have just felt warfare, or they felt just like stress in their marriage. And so we do our best uh, to come around marriages and the nuclear family and support them and stand and protect and fight. But I want you to know this, there is nothing more powerful than prayer. So we have a marriage intercessory prayer team uh, that is on call, that if you are going through some struggles in your marriage, or you're trying to make some decisions, or you just need some prayer covering, you can, you can just email our prayer director, Holly, at church1132.com, and they will connect you with a marriage intercessor. Now, this isn't for counseling, okay? Go to a counselor if you need counseling. If you, if you want someone for prayer support, we're your people, all right? And we're going to stand beside you, and they don't need to know your personal business. They're not going to share any of your stuff. They're going to say, we're going to unite with you and pray for you. I'm signing up today, tomorrow, like every day of the week. I can take all the prayer. And I, if someone's going to mention my name before God... I'm just telling you, I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll take it in every area of my life. And uh, so if you're married and you're walking through some season, and if you're married and you've never had a stressful season, then you just need to hold on because it's coming, all right? It's just, it's just life. And it doesn't mean you don't love them. It just means life, life happens. And uh, if you're walking through a season, you could just use some prayer covering support. Email Holly at church1132.com. We're going to give you a marriage intercessor because we believe that the success of the family is going to hinge on the success of our marriages. And so we're going to cover and protect our families and our marriages in prayer like we never have before. And uh, so I encourage you to take advantage of that. All right, Matthew chapter 21. Y'all ready? Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, we've been getting this series. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts, and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Jesus comes in the temple. He clears house. He cleans house. He says this. He says, you are a, you are a house of prayer. He's establishing a precedent, and he is, he is identifying purpose. He says that this temple is not supposed to be a house of preaching, a house of worship, a house of marketing, a house of branding. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. He says that first and foremost, this priority is that this will be a house of prayer. Now, many of you know this, but the Old Testament tabernacle that housed the presence of God, the temple that was in the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, it housed the presence of God, and there were different sections of the temple. And the Bible teaches us that in the, in the foremost part of the temple was the most holy place, that only the high priest could come into the place where God dwelt, and they would come to offer sacrifices for the people. And so you didn't get to take God's presence home with you. You got to visit God's presence. And really, only the high priest got to enter into his presence. The Bible teaches us when Jesus came to earth, he died on a cross. We're going to celebrate his resurrection on Easter Sunday in a couple of weeks. He died on a cross to forgive you of your sins, but not just that. He also died to give you access to the presence of God. 
I, I, I'm so grateful for God and giving Jesus to cover my sins, and I'm just equally as much grateful that I can have access to the presence of God. You know, the Bible says this. When Jesus died on the cross, a couple things happened. There was an earthquake. Did you know that? Jesus died on the cross when he gave up his spirit. There was an earthquake. Not only that, the Bible says there were some that had died and had been buried that came back to life. Can you imagine visiting your loved one on that day? The ground starts to shake. Tombstone rolls off. Grandma jumps out. I mean, like, whoa, that's crazy. We don't preach that side of the story. You know that's in your Bible. People, dead people, original walking dead right there in the New Testament. Come and have not only that, the Bible says that there was a veil that separated the most holy place from every other part of the temple. That veil was about 18 inches thick, not wide, thick. And some scholars believe it was over 35 feet tall, and it separated the most holy place from every other place. And so a commoner like us could never come into the presence of God because of the veil. Only the high priest could go behind the veil. And the Bible says when Jesus died, that veil was torn. Not from the bottom to the top like somebody did it, but from the top to the bottom, proving that God had now opened up a way for me and for you to have instant access into the presence of God. Did you know this? You were created to be a house of prayer. Not just the temple, not just the tabernacle, not just visiting God, but God created you to be able to step into his presence at any time. Jesus died to forgive you of your sins, but he also died to give you access, access to God. The Bible says so we can come before his throne with boldness or with confidence. John chapter 15, John chapter 15 verse 4 gives us an interesting look at being connected to God. John 15 verse 4, it says, remain in me. As I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. There's a lot of people trying to bear fruit outside of God. There's a lot of the world that's trying to have success outside of him or peace outside of him. John is writing. He says, if you don't remain in God, you, nothing can come from it. There is no fruit that comes from it. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And John, when he writes this, he uses a word remain, which means to abide. So let me say it this way. God is not a hotel in which you visit. God's a house in which you live. This is what John is saying. He's saying your connection matters, that you are supposed to be connected to God, that you're supposed to be, he's the vine, we're the branches, we are connected. When we're connected, we can bear fruit. When we're disconnected, we cannot. Just a couple months ago, I was with one of my mentors. We were in uh, Southern California, and we had eaten dinner, and we were walking through uh, some of the shops, and there was, a, there was a Tesla store that was there, and they had the models out and, and uh, everything. And uh, he's like, we got to go. We got to go check it out. And uh, I said, all right, so let's, let's go in. I, I'm from Texas. It's not quite as bad as California. And uh, he's like, I live in California. I need a Tesla. And um, so we went in. 
And uh, he'd actually just bought a Tesla, but he wanted to talk to the sales guy about some other things. And so we're talking, and, and uh, they're talking about all the specs and the new Teslas coming out and all this. And the salesman says, yeah, but have you heard about our solar power? And my mentor, he's like, no, we haven't really heard about it. And he goes, oh, you got to get, get our solar power. You know, it's not, not just the car. You can get solar power. You can get off the grid. He goes, your, your power bill is going to go from 400 to $34. I'm like, wait, what? I live in Texas. My power bill is... Not friendly to me. So I'm, I'm interested in this. He says, yes, it's solar power. you got to get some of this Tesla solar power. So we're looking at it. We're all into it. And he goes, wait, I have to check your address first. Because I need to see where you live because i got to make sure that you get enough sunlight to provide enough power to power the whole house. Because if you live in an area where you're not getting enough sun, you won't have enough power. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. That many of us, we live our life like solar-powered Christians. That we're good as long as we've had enough exposure. But if you get us out of the exposure for long enough, we forget everything. People come to church and they get exposure and they're fired up for the week. And they get up on Monday morning ready to pray, ready to seek God, ready to get after God's purpose. By Wednesday, they, they don't even know if God exists. It's solar-powered Christianity. It's, it's, it's this Christianity that says, as long as I'm right in the right environment, I'm good. But you take me out of the environment, and I forget everything I've learned. And I've grown up pastoring Christians like this. As long as everything's good, and we can come to church every Sunday, there's no pandemic, there's no sickness, there's no... But it's amazing, as soon as our norm gets disrupted and we don't get as much sun as we always do, all of a sudden now we don't have the power we used to. Solar-powered Christians. You, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. We're trying, to, we're trying to just get rid of all cords, like, in humanity right now. Everything's cordless. Everything's battery-operated. And, 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 and that's great. But sometimes I wonder if we need to go old school with our connectivity to God. Because there's solar-powered Christians, but there's also battery-powered Christians. These are people that get charged up. You ever see these people? These are like camp and conference Christians. They get, they get charged up, and, and, man, they come back from conference, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to win my entire workplace to Jesus today. They're witnessing. They're going cubicle to cubicle, sharing the gospel. I mean, two months, you don't even know where they are. Like, what happened to you? Charged up for a minute, but no lasting power. Now, then a couple years ago, there's my neighbor, and I think this is dangerous. I don't know enough about it to know, but I think this is dangerous. I look out the window, and he is mowing his lawn, which is not, that's not the weird part. The weird part, you're like, whoa, he mowed his lawn. No, he had a plug-in lawnmower. He had like three extension cords connected to each other, going through his front door, connected somewhere in the house, and he's out there mowing his lawn. Now, I made fun of him, but I want you to know this. He never ran out of gas, and he never ran out of power. Can I tell you this, what John 15 is saying? He's saying, church is good. You should be in church. You should have good environment. You should have good exposure. You should go to camps and conferences. But there is another way to, in, to, 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 to step into a God-connected life, and it's called abiding in him. It is making God your refuge and your shield. It is connecting him every day, not just on Sundays. Every day of the week, I'm connected. And I never run out of power, and I never run out of fuel because I'm connected to the source. What is, what is connection? Connection is prayer. 
Prayer is the way that you connect with God. Now, I know right when I say prayer, you start thinking about the Lord's Prayer. Or you start thinking about, you know, three hours of dedicated intercession on your face. Or, prayer is connection. It's, talk, it's talking to God. It, we, we, we have to demystify and de-religionize what prayer is. Prayer is our connection to God. You should be connected to God every day of the week, every moment of the day. You know the Bible says pray without ceasing? That doesn't mean walk around in a trance saying the Lord's Prayer. Don't talk to me. I'm praying. Please don't speak to me. I'm in the middle of my prayers. It is being connected to God. It's connecting to Him. To abide means to remain. If I remain, I am connected. I'm connected. To be a house of prayer, this is, this is, I'll give you a couple of these. Here's one. You do have to connect to him. This is, what, this is what it says. It says, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. If you remain in me, I will remain in you. We have to connect to God. Schedule a meeting with God and keep it. Put it in your reminder, put it in your calendar, and schedule a meeting with God. You don't have to pray five hours every single day, but why don't you start with five minutes every day? It'd be better for you to pray five minutes every day than five hours every once in a while. It'd be better to be consistent because what you're doing is connecting. I'm connecting to the source. I'm connect. You know where peace comes from? The source. You know where joy comes from? The source. You know, people will disappoint you. Batteries will fail you. Solar panels will fail you. If there's not the right environment, not the right experience. But if you are connected to the source, and friends, you can be connected. You can be connected to God. And the way we connect is through prayer. It's wild to me how foreign a concept praying is because I think we mystify it so much that we think it's difficult. You know, prayer is just talking to God. Some of you talk to your pets more than you talk to God. Your, your dog sees you coming home from work and gets worried, like, here he comes. I'm going to hear about his boss. I'm going to hear about... You know, you should try just using that energy on talking to God, who actually says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. God is not threatened by your insecurities, by your bad days or your good days. God is not threatened by your questions, by your ups and your downs. God can handle it. In fact, he invites it. And a God-connected life can have true relationship and true conversation. It's, it's just, it's talking to him. It is talking to him. Corey Tinboom says, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful on his knees. Or a man or woman is powerful in the place of prayer. Place of prayer. Can I tell you something about prayer? Prayer is easier than you think it is. It's more powerful than you think it is. And it's more needed than you think it is. Prayer is easier than you think it is, more powerful than you think it is, and more needed than you think it is. If you think it's difficult, you'll never do it. It's easy. It's easier than you think, more powerful than you think, and it is more needed than you think. First one is to connect with him. Second is to draw from him. There's a lot of people that connect to God, but they never enjoy the benefits of that connection. Because they don't know how to draw or pull from him. God is the source of all wisdom, all knowledge, all peace, all joy. And so many people are connected, but they don't know how to pull. 
I, I, we were doing some work in our backyard, and uh, a couple years ago, we were hooking up some things, and the electrician, and I had to pull in the big guns, electrician's in there, and he's like, leave this to me. I said, all right. I said, it, it's not working. He says, it's connected. You just got to flip the breaker, and then, it, it, then it'll, it'll start working. He says, it's connected, but it's not pulling power, and that stuck with me because there's a lot of believers that are connected, but they never pull power. See, to pull power, you got to know what your authority is. Do you know what's available to you? You, When you read the word, it begins to tell you what is available to you as a believer. And when you know what's available to you, you've got to start pulling it into your reality. In fact, that's one of the things that prayer does is it pulls heaven into history. It pulls what God has ordained in heaven down to earth. That's what your prayers do. Prayer is more powerful than you think it is. I put a demand on what God has promised. Some people wait and see what God will give them. A mature believer goes and takes what God's promised. There's a big difference. A, a new believer usually waits to see, is it going to be a good day or is it going to be a bad day? A mature believer says, your word says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. One waits and sees, one takes what's already been given. There's a, there's a big difference. I'm connected to him, but I'm also pulling from him. If you need power, he's got it. If you need healing, he's got it. If you need provision, he's got it. If you need peace, he's got it. If you need a breakthrough, he's got it. Everything you need, he has, but you have to put a demand on what he has. Well, I'm just going to kind of like wait and see what God does. God's waiting for you to begin to activate his kingdom by the act of prayer, which brings us to the last one. Draw from him, you need to ask of him. When, when, when I'm connected to him, it gives me the ability to draw from him. This is what you lean on. This is how you rely. When I rely on him, now I can ask of him. Now, I'm going to give you the scripture that we read earlier in, in John chapter 15. Verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I don't know about you, but I had a problem with that scripture. Because I take the word literally. So when it said ask for whatever you wish, I'm asking. Oh, man, I'm throwing everything out there. Like, my wish? Man, I wish for a lot. So I'm, But I haven't seen all of that. Are you ever confused by some of the scriptures that say something like that? It says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. I've been asking, but I haven't been seeing. So you have to go back to Luke chapter 11 when Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. They ask Jesus. Jesus teaches how to pray. What does he say? He said, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what's happening. In order for you to get what you pray for, your kingdom has to go and God's kingdom has to come. Your kingdom has to go and When I was throwing out wishes, it was to build my kingdom. No wonder God's not answering when I'm trying to build. But when my kingdom goes and his kingdom comes, I come in agreement with what he's already said. So now what I ask, he will do. Because God has relegated himself to move through the prayers of his people. If you don't pray, God won't move. If the church does not pray, God won't move. This is why Jesus clarified this is a house of prayer. Because he said, if the people will pray, 
then I will act. Man, if, if that's the equation, we better be praying. We better pray like we've never prayed before. We better pray dangerous prayers. We better pray some aggressive prayers, some faith-filled prayers, some city-shaking prayers, some body-healing prayers, some dead-raising prayers, some family-saving prayers, some revival-invoking prayers. If, if he's waiting for us to pray, we should pray. James chapter 4, verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive. Now, this is interesting. I'm, I'm interested in this. When you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James breaks it down. says, hey, the reason you're not getting what you ask for is because you're asking with some wrong motives. So in order to get the right motives, I have to say, your kingdom come. Your will be done. If I can find it in his word... I can begin to ask him for it. And when I begin to ask him for it, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I think that God's leading us into a season that we have to be more connected with him than ever before. I remember years ago, there was like a tornado warning or something, you know, classic like Texas spring and um, tornado warning. And, and, and unfortunately, I'm getting older, so I'm one of those guys that, that my wife looks at the weather report, I go look at the clouds. You know, I just want to see for myself. And so I'm out there and I'm like, mm, I don't know. Pete Delkis, I don't know if you know what you're talking about. Doesn't look that bad. And, and uh, so I'm out there looking, and, and the boys run out because I'm out. And uh, first thing I say is, hey, stay in the house. Stay in the house. Why am I telling them to get in the house? Because it's safe in there. I felt the Holy Spirit begin to speak to me this week that many people were caught in the storm of life, and He's calling you back to the house. Not just this house, the house of prayer. You've been disconnected from God, and he's saying it's time to get reconnected. And it's not what you think it is or as hard as you think it is. It's easier, actually, than you think it is. It's more powerful than you think it is, and it's more needed than you think it is. There's another scripture in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 13. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let me just ask you, is anybody in trouble? Another translation says this, is any among you suffering? Anybody going through something where you're suffering a little bit? This is what it says. It says, let him pray. Let him pray. Is anyone happy? I'm just going to tell you, you're going to fit into one of these two categories. You're either suffering or you're happy. Because if you're not suffering, you're happy. If you're not happy, you're suffering. He says, if you're suffering, pray. If you're happy, praise. You know what a lot of people do? If I'm happy, I disconnect. Until I run out of steam again. And I got to go get in the right environment. Or I got to go get charged up. 
but a mature believer in good times and in bad. In bad times, I pray, and in good times, I praise, but I never disconnect. I'm connected to the source. I abide and remain in him. He's my shelter. He's my refuge. He's my strength. The storm can be raging on the outside, but God's saying, hey, get in the house. Get in the house. Get back in the house. You know, sometimes it's silly. This last tornado warning was this year, and me and the boys, now the boys are a little older, they're out there with me, and we're assessing together. And I'm like, hmm, this one looks bad. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, that stop sign should not fly by. That's, a, that, that's some intense wind. And Jamie, she starts yelling from inside the house. Boys, get in the house. Get in the house. She's not angry. She's not mad. It's almost... It's almost playful at how silly or stupid we're being. And she's like, get in the house. Lovingly, I think God's like giving us a little charge today. Get in the house. I'm glad you're in church, but get in the house. Come on, connect with God. Put a schedule on your calendar, a meeting on your calendar, and meet with God. Watch what happens when you begin to connect with Him. Draw from Him and ask of Him. I'm talking about praying dangerous prayers. I'm praying for asking for things that are bigger than you can conceive in your own mind, in your heart. Why don't you read your Bible and see how good God is, how big God is, and begin to ask like you never have before. And friends, if you're suffering, pray. If you're happy today, praise. But no matter what, stay